This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal here on the podcast to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Community Matters, Inc. With nearly 20 years in the chamber industry and over 100 media awards presented to their chamber partners, Community Matters provides the R&R that every chamber needs, revenue and recognition. When it comes to publishing a chamber map, directory, or community guide, Community Matters has a trusted experience to help your chamber accomplish your goals. With different advertising sales models and publication styles, Community Matters will help you create a non-dues revenue machine. Let's hear from Becky Womble, President and CEO of the Bastrop Chamber, to hear about her experience using Community Matters. I've been using Community Matters for probably six or seven years now. And um, in a previous life, I sold commercial printing. So I can highly recommend Community Matters because it's a complete turnkey job for any busy chamber exec. Um, Basically, you give them a membership list. And from there, they contact your members and it's no high pressure sales or anything. And it really is a complete turnkey job from start to finish. And it's a wonderful, beautiful printed product whenever you're finished. And I just, I'm very sold on Community Matters. And with a printing background, I just, big endorsement for me. To learn how Community Matters can support your chamber with your next publication, please visit communitymattersinc.com slash podcast to request your free media kit and request a proposal to find out what kind of non-dues revenue you can generate. Our guest for this episode is Ralph Schultz. Ralph is the president and CEO of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce, one of Middle Tennessee's oldest and largest business federations. Ralph joined the chamber in 2006 following a 30-year career in nonprofit management, marketing, and fundraising. During his tenure, the chamber played a key role in helping the region emerge from the 2007 recession to a period of unprecedented growth. The chambers also led the movement to improve public school performance through the creation of the Academics of Nashville, uh, established the Moving Forward Initiative to ensure the creation of a regional transportation solution through a cohesive community effort and developed into a respected publisher of data on the Nashville Nashville Metropolitan Statistical Area with the annual publication of the Vital Signs Report. He currently serves on numerous civic and nonprofit boards, and uh, he's a graduate of the University of Tennessee. But Ralph, we're excited to have you with us today here on Chamber Chat Podcast. I'd love to give you an opportunity to say hello to all the chamber champions that are out there listening and share something interesting about yourself so we can get to know you a little better. Well, Brandon, it's great to be on the podcast here with you. And chambers do such urgent work in every one of the communities that they're engaged in that it's just a pleasure to be a part of the industry and be a part of today's uh, podcast. Um, you know, I think I, I think one of the things I probably share with chamber people, even though I, this is my only chamber job ever, uh, even though it's been 16 years, is I've had the chance to live in 11 different cities and eight different states um, around the country. And um, Nashville was one of those places that I was fortunate to be able to 
choose to live in um, and stay in. So uh, the, the the biggest benefit of all of that is I have seven grandkids and they're, they all live here and I get to see them all the time. And I really do think that that's kind of linked to the fact that opportunities in Nashville. And so, you know, their parents have things that they can, they can do here and stay here. That is a great point. Having that, that livability aspect of being able to, to stay in the community that you're from and be able to raise a family. And I think often we see when we talk about workforce and talent development of uh, trying to retain, you know, people Uh within our, within our communities. So that's a, a great testament to be able to have all your your kids and grandkids in the same community with you. That's awesome. I tell groups that I speak to all the time that eventually they're going to realize what a blessing that is. So. Right. <laughs> eventually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, tell us a little bit more about the Nashville Chamber. I mean, we all know Nashville, but give us an idea of you know size of the chamber, staff, budget, scope of work, things you guys are involved with, just to kind of set the table for our discussion? Well, the chamber has been around since 1847, but if you really want to track the work that has resulted in the economic boom and so forth that we've enjoyed in this region, you really go back to about 1990 when public officials that were elected and business leaders who were interested really began to focus on reversing what had been about a 20 year decline in the economy. And so the, the, the purpose statement for this chamber, which is to create economic prosperity by facilitating community leadership, that's really the birth of that statement. And, and what you see from that time forward is a five-year planning process. We're in our seventh five-year plan and that requires us to have a budget of somewhere in the eight to nine million category. It requires us to have a staff of 40 to 50 people. We are the regional economic development hub for a 10 county uh, area in this region. But I really want to emphasize that that is a role that we fill as part of the larger team of economic developers. We we interact as a, as a partner with TVA on a regional basis with the state economic development uh, operation with um, local EDOs and economic developers throughout that 10 county region. And, and the staff is really kind of devoted to four operational areas. They are devoted to a policy area because we are advocates for our, for our members in the business community. We have a workforce or a talent development team that is really focused on that workforce issue, which we think is going to be our essential priority for at least the next 10 years and probably the next 20. Uh, We have an economic development uh, unit, job creation unit that is really focused on the recruiting and the expansion and the creation of jobs in the area. And then, of course, we have that all important growth area that is you know, the, the the growth team provides the financial fuel and the volunteer engagement that allows us to undertake our, our projects. So, you know, in a nutshell, that's kind of what we look like. 
Yeah, well, and I I would agree with you with the workforce and talent front. That's uh, it's going to be a long term issue across the country as uh, so many skills of people that have, are out of work right now. Maybe their skills are not as transferable. You know, if, no. It, look at in Middle Tennessee right now. We track the numbers every month. There are about 70,000 job openings available. And if, if every single unemployed person were employed, we'd still have a gap of 30 to 40,000 open jobs. And that reskilling and that upskilling of the people who are already here um, is a major source of being able to fulfill those jobs. In migration is strong, retention is strong because the livability is good. But um, as affordable housing is a little bit of a challenge, the people who are already here being aligned with the right talent and the right skill for the jobs that are being created is crucial. Right, for sure. Well, that definitely helps to, to set the table for our discussion today as we've uh, kind of settled on the idea of talking about the, the way that you guys have gone about structuring your board of directors. And I think that's a, an important topic for chambers across the country to pay attention to, especially if they're in a fast growing you know, in, you know, climate in their region of the country to uh, really make sure that there's good structure around your board before it gets out of control and runs away from you. So yeah. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll dive in much deeper into this discussion as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Are you looking for a way to promote your business community? Look no further than Pippoli. With Pippoli, you can get all the tools you need to connect with your members, promote your businesses, and grow your community. Pippoli offers a wide range of features, including a state-of-the-art community website, a community clicker mobile app for businesses, members, and the community, a marketplace where businesses can present professional services and even sell their products, a powerful event management and community calendar system, a comprehensive commerce community management system, and a complete membership services department, all included. And best of all, Pipley is only $1 per member per month after a small initial setup. That's a fraction of the cost of other management platforms. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for Pipley today and start growing your business community. 
Book a time to learn more at pippily.com. That's P-I-P-P-I-L-Y.com to book a time to meet and learn more. We'll show you how Pippily can help you promote your business community and grow your subscriptions. What if you could keep holiday shopping local this year? Launch a community card with Yifty and you can. Hi, I'm Raquel from Yifty. Yifty works with over 500 chambers, main streets, cities, and downtown associations, providing custom-branded electronic gift cards that can only be redeemed at your local businesses. This program is free for you and your participating businesses. And if you sign up now, you'll watch your local businesses thrive this holiday season. Email sales at yifty.com to learn more. That's sales at yifte.com. All right, Ralph, we're back. Uh, as I mentioned before the break, we're talking today about your board structure. And I know you guys were very intentional a few years ago as you uh, went about creating a, a real structure to the board. So maybe just uh, tell us from a high level, what does the structure of your board look like? And and keep in mind for everybody listening that everything is scalable, right? So yeah. t- take what Ralph is saying and, and scale it to your community and, and try to visualize how that can work. Well, when I arrived at the chamber in 2006, there were 70 board members a large executive committee and the general conclusion of the the board board was that the board wasn't functioning at its best. And so there was a group put together that worked for about nine months to rewrite the bylaws that had been in existence since 1847. Wow. And there are a, f- a few key things that they focused on. First of all, they felt like the board needed to be a lot smaller so that it was more functional, that the board needed to be the actual decision-making body of the organization as compared to, say, an executive committee, and that the duties of the chamber would be divided into two main chunks. The first chunk was the function and the role of the board, which was to make policy, and to assure the, the, the achievements of the chamber in the community. And the second chunk was the staff, which was identified as implementation, uh, the implementation aspect of the organization. And so what that meant in board construction was that the board was cut in half in terms of size. The committee structure of the board was shrunk to only two committees. Uh, They are the governance committee, which is responsible for the healthy uh, uh, function of the board. They're also the personnel committee when one is needed, but that governance committee is really about the, the function of the board. And the other is the finance and audit committee, which is really about the financial stability and the financial uh, uh, status of the organization. It's not a fundraising group or, or whatever. The reason they constructed it that way was because they wanted to focus on policy. And so you don't see a lot of the typical implementational related committees like a membership committee or a fundraising committee or an events committee or whatever. But realizing that 
that limiting the board to 43 slots, there were still, uh, there was still a lot of business leadership in the community that wanted to participate in a leadership role. They created a category of activity called chartered uh, initiatives. And every year at our budget time, we will take the significant initiatives of the chamber, create a written document around the scope and the reach and the authority and the resources uh, deployed against that initiative. And that charter will be given to a group of volunteers uh, and a volunteer leader to say, go forth, do good things, achieve these objectives, and you have authority contained within this charter that allows you to achieve those goals. I think, you know, for a chamber professional, it's important to know, though, that the accountable person for that initiative's achievement is a staff person. In other words, at the top of the list, when the accountable individual is named, it is a staff person that is accountable. The volunteer is not the accountable person, but they they manage the, the function of those volunteers and can make decisions about changes and strategies and things like that. But so... The fundamental structure of the whole thing is built around the board role of policy, the staff role of implementation. The board takes their policy function seriously. Only the board can make policy decisions for the chamber. The executive committee can't. The finance committee and the government governance committee have assigned roles, but the board is still king. So when you come on to the chamber board, um, you're told that you have no obligation to provide any level of resource or per, or participating in re, participate in resourcing, but every board member does in their own kind of customized way. But sure. it's purely voluntary. Um, you're told that you don't have to serve on a committee. You volunteer to be on that committee, and that's the way those committees are are, are properly staffed that you get a certain priority to be considered for leadership of the initiatives. So the main board function is to main po make policy. And then if you like, I can talk about how people get to the board of directors, but you know, the board very, very much functions in that policy space. So I, I would like to go down that path. First, I wanted to just mention uh, at, at the very beginning of your comments, sir, you had mentioned readdressing it, it, the bylaws that hadn't been touched since 1847. Right. And that just like sent off lights to me that I'm like, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> yeah, that's right. a long time. Uh, we just recently had Jeremy Arthur on the podcast. Um, and a lot of people are familiar with Jeremy and his work around governance and um, and that was one of the things we touched on was the bylaws need to be something that you're actively looking at. You're actively making sure that the roles of your chamber are, are acting within those bylaws and making sure you have that leeway that you need to, to where you're not going against your bylaws on accident. So that just really stood out to me of, uh, cause by addressing your bylaws, it saw the need for addressing the, the board issues that you are talking about here. There were some really fundamental changes that were made at that point. Instead of membership votes on policy, the board became the, the functional policy maker. We still survey our membership. It's not that we don't get their input, 
but but things aren't the membership doesn't really have a vote. The terms of officers are uh, were, were changed to be two year terms because the board wanted to have more continuity and accountability because the feeling was a one year term for board officers wasn't enough to assure that we would have the achievement over time that that we needed. Um, you know, the structure of committees, the you know, all of that policy versus implementation aspect. There, there were a lot of changes in the way that that by, those bylaws shape things, and they have been modified along the way, little tweaks along the way, to assure that we can function the way that the board wants us to function. Yeah, now that's a good example of members voting on on changes. You know, in 1847, I'm sure the membership was a little smaller than what it is today, yeah, and probably right. a little easier maybe to round up the people for a vote, but. Uh, right. <laughs> So yeah, I just wanted to, to draw attention to that. But yeah, let's let's go down the path of how does somebody find their way onto the board and um, you know, recruiting process or just how you you know work that into the structure. Well, the board the board terms are two three year terms. That's the maximum you can serve. And every three years, the governance committee sits down and creates a board development plan for the next three years. And they have a, a spreadsheet that they're working with where, you know, when you think of the largest sense of, the, of diversity, they're looking to um, have people on our board that bring perspectives from variety of industry, variety of geography, um, sex or gender, uh, race, et cetera. And they're factoring all of that into the composition of the board for a three-year period. They set minimums for 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 participation from each of those categories so that they're getting the right balance. When it comes to who sits on the board, there are four criteria that they apply to each possible participant on the board. And they all of those things happen to start with the letter I. So we okay. call them the four I's in our governance committee. Um, first of all, the invitation to board members is to the individual, not to the institution. So you will find from time to time retired executives that are still on our board. And that that focus on the inv in individual invitation is very uh, is very purposeful. Because when you look at the four eyes that they're looking for, they are looking for people who are um, influential in the community. They are looking for people that are independent in their discussion and their perspective on things. They are looking for people that are informed on the community and they're looking for people that are invested in the community. Now, the fifth eye of institution does sometimes come into play. We're a, we're a healthcare uh, dominated uh, economy. So, you know, you always want healthcare representation there. And there are some institutions that have greater influence than others. But fundamentally, it's an individual invitation built around those four eyes. So on influence, they want people who can reach out to get feedback and also project information into the community, into a sphere of influence. When it comes to independent, 
They want people that will sit at the table, not advocating for their own business or their own industry, but also they want them to be at the table, regardless of who else is at the table and willing to express their independent thinking. You know, if they have a client at the table, that doesn't reshape their their expression. Um, from an investment perspective, it's not just about investment in the chamber, although at a minimum, you have to be a member of the chamber. But they will tend to engage people at the board level who have been engaged in the chamber in leadership ways uh, already. And then finally, from an information perspective, our board moves rapidly with support from staff on the issues they confront from a policy perspective. But it's important that people aren't starting from zero with regards to the information they have about a particular issue. So those four eyes are the things that uh, that they center around. And that governance committee will get together. They'll look at a long list of possibilities. Usually the three-year planners have slotted some names for the future that they think would be good to consider. And then after they have settled on names they'd like to nominate, we go meet with those people, tell them what the obligations are, find out if they're interested. And then the final step, if they say they're interested, is to place them in front of the board at our annual meeting. And then their orientation begins a couple of months after that. Very good. Yeah, I love the uh, the four eyes, the four plus one, maybe sometimes eyes. Uh -huh. But uh, the one that really stands out to me is independent, you know, being able to be independent thinkers. And I think a lot of the others being influential and informed, invested in the community. I think those all are, you know, they don't need any additional explanation. I don't think I think they, they make perfect sense. Um, being independent, an independent thinker, you're not coming with your own agendas. You're not there trying to better your business or your pocketbook or anything like that. Uh, you're there for the betterment of the community. And that's, you're able to express yourself in a way that um, you're not needing to be as careful necessarily with your comments because of, you know, any other uh, collateral damage maybe that can happen. So that's a, you're, that's a key you're, eye. <laughs> you're, you're expected not to be careful. Okay. Yes. It, it, it has to be a free flowing and fast conversation. Our board meetings happen five times a year and they're two hours and there's usually two or three strategic items they have to decide on. So, you know, bring your thought quickly, concisely and powerfully. Right. I like that. Uh, well, as we start wrapping up here, I, we can talk probably another hour on this, on your board structure and dive in really deep. Um, but I wanted to see if you have any tip or action item for listeners who really want to take their organization up to the next level. What would you suggest for them? You know, I think what brought this chamber to the next level didn't happen while I was here. It happened in the early 1990s when the business community said, our economy is in decline and what we're missing is a plan. And we've decided that the chamber is going to be the place that that plan is, is created. Intentional is, is a constant buzzword at, at this chamber. And I would say 
that for this chamber, that catalytic activity is that plan. You know, we'll raise $25 million just for our five-year plan. And then there's another 25 or $30 million added on top of that that comes to us from other revenue sources. And the real secret to being able to do that work is the is the engagement in the planning process of the business and policy, public, public leadership um, in creating that plan. So, you know, as far as catapulting to the next level, um, understanding what people are seeking to achieve and then being able to facilitate a process where that that becomes a plan with metrics, activity, investment, et cetera. That's what will propel the organization forward. I will say one last thing though. If you don't have a board with heft, if you don't have a board that is strong, powerful, independent, willing to take risks, willing to move forward with courage, then you're likely gonna stall. And that's one of the things I love about this board. And one of the reasons I've been here 16 years is because I've never had a board that didn't have that courage and didn't have that willingness to invest in making things happen. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that tip and the, the intentionality of having that plan for your community. Um, Ralph, I like asking everyone I have on the show as we look to the future of Chambers of Commerce, how do you see the future of Chambers and their purpose going forward? Well, first of all, I think the Horizons work of, of ACCE is really valuable work. And when it was first unveiled, we took it seriously and began to engage in undertaking it. I do think that uh, the future of Chambers is still oriented, oriented around bringing prosperity to the community. We feel that important role is sort of an intermediary between the business community and the public policy arena. Uh, if you look at Nashville's success over 30 years, it's been because there has been a public-private partnership with the public arena defining an environment that encourages investment. And then it's about bringing investors to, to the table. And so I think the larger the more the more focused a chamber is on the community development livability workforce development job creation the more compelling its position is going to be in the future and i believe that reaching out for uh for 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 feedback and offering compelling plans I think that's the future of the chamber. I, I, you know, we've heard a lot in the horizons about how the nature of membership is changing and what causes people to join and what causes people not to join. I think in the end, results are what matter. And when people see results, they want to be a part of the team. They may have a different perspective on priority. But when you achieve results, people want to have the opportunity for their priority to rise. So I think the future of Chambers is bright, mainly because of that intermediary role that they fill in communities. And I think that the the, the professional function of the staff 
is what will keep it fresh, vibrant, and fulfilling uh, going forward. Absolutely. Um, I mean, diving back into the horizons, we, we've seen over the last three years or so just how, um, you know, future telling that, that report really was. And yeah. to really give heed to that and, and to continue looking forward, I think is so important. And um, this podcast is part of that. <laughs> so. Oh, thank you. <laughs> right. Um, so, Ralph, I'd like to give an opportunity for anyone listening who maybe wants to dive in deeper or learn more about the structure of your board or how you guys are doing things there in Nashville. What would be the best way for someone to reach out and connect? Well, the best way is to email me at the at rshulls at nashvillechamber.com. Um, because we do get requests from time to time to, to have information about board structure and we're prepared to provide a package of information. I'm happy to have conversations. Look, I think governance is the absolute root of the effectiveness of an organization. So I'm always happy to share with other chamber professionals, our experience, but you said it earlier, and I, I think it's worth emphasizing this structure and these protocols and this practice is very well tailored to the Nashville environment and the Nashville business and political environment. You know, variations on this, you know, are, are inevitably created in other communities to fit their needs. But we're always happy to share. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the key. Just get that information and adapt it to the best best way to suit your own community and the issues that, that your chamber's there to address. And yeah. uh, your community is not going to look the same as Nashville. So just uh, <laughs> make make those make those adjustments where needed. But Ralph, I really appreciate you setting aside some time to be with us today here on Chamber Chat Podcast. Um, you bring a great perspective and and experience um, with your board structure that hopefully will help to uh, energize and, and keep others motivated to make sure that they have a good structure with their board and see the trajectory of their organization move forward in a positive direction. So thank you for being here with us and sharing this today. Well, look, I just appreciate the opportunity to be here and appreciate what you're doing to help help chamber professionals particularly improve their practice and performance. So these podcasts are really valuable. If you are a chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Have you ever thought about creating a podcast for your chamber? We always hear about how chambers need to be storytellers. What better way is there to tell the stories of your members and the work of your chamber than through a podcast? Your audience is waiting to hear from you as a convener of leaders and influencers, champion for business, and catalyst for change within your community. I just launched a chamber podcast course with the goal to get your very own podcast started within 30 days. Visit chamberchatpodcast.com pivot to learn more and to enroll in the chamber podcast course today.